0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy
1: ramp.com slash easy Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
2: The one tough mother podcast the one tough mother show is real talk with special guests including industry leaders celebrities and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons remember you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother it's all about you and welcome to the one tough mother show it's super exciting we're in the studio the closet in the studio today Seth's eating, and he brought. No- he did not bring enough for the whole class.
1: You want some? No, it looks nasty. And you don't like that kind of food. That's right.
2: Um, what do you mean? What kind of food is it, Seth?
1: It's Middle Eastern, I guess you'd say.
2: Well, I like. I don't like um, curry. I'm not a curry fan. It's not curry.
1: What's on it? It's shawarma. Shawarma. You like shawarma?
2: Ooh. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't. I a man with good taste. Oh yeah. Well, I don't think I'm, I care for it too much, but it smells good. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. And how's Showtime going? It's fantastic. They invited you to their Christmas party.
1: Uh, when you work at a place, that's generally the rule. that dude, you've been well, here hey, a week.
2: You, it, I'd be like, he's been here a week. He ain't coming.
1: That's why you don't run a big business. <laughs> you're, I you're, used to. Yeah, but you were like, you ran it by yourself. No one like worked with you. I had I had assistants
2: and stuff. I had people didn't with report me.
1: to you though. You didn't like, you know,
2: because I'm not a report kind of person. I'd Ex- be like, we work together. I ain't no boss.
1: Right. Like, hey, you stay home. I'm going to a Christmas party. To drink. <laughs> Bye.
2: You suck.
1: Um, Okay.
2: (laughs) Anyway, I couldn't get to my parking garage. That's my big deal today.
1: Why don't you cry about it?
2: I am. 39th Street. Well, I pay. I prepay. So 39th Street was shut off. The cops kept sending me around and around and around. And I'm like, I can't get in there, dude. I paid to get in that parking garage. I parked it on 44th, which was kind of better. The guys are really nice. It's one of those you park and pay yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you just go down and get your car. So I said to the guy, I might park here all the time. Do you mind? And he's like, uh no (laughs) like
1: (laughs) no you're one tough mother yeah you're one tough mother
2: i don't mind (laughs) so yeah i might park there all the time it looks like a nice clean parking
1: place that's wonderful i'm so happy for you i hate you today
2: you're so bitter i know you're just the Uh, most bitter human being and it's the holidays i love new york at the holidays
1: oh yes i went by the macy's window was it lovely it was lovely i took a little video for the family
2: oh did you see the tree
1: uh, not yet. Meen, I, I avoided why. it to get over here.
2: Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh, you're just a bitter bug. Oh uh, okay. no, I
1: just had it. You know, it's very uh, heavy foot traffic, Karen. <laughs> Holy cow! Her.
2: I'm going to get into the interview because I can barely stand you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. All right. So I'm super excited about our guest. I met him at a lovely, lovely event. It was a charity event, and um, he was actually doing makeup for women with cancer, and I, I kind of just like stood there staring at him, and I was like, "Oh, I don't want to look at my makeup. But he actually fixed me up. He fixed me. Thank you. <laughs> no, shut up. We could use you. Anyway, they say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Well, this beholder's eye has gracefully and beautifully doned some of the most gorgeous palettes in the world. Annalena Jolie, Cher, Taylor Swift, Halle Berry, Britney Spears, Joan Rivers, Rihanna, And me, (laughs) Rami has skillfully and masterfully the go-to makeup artist for editorial, television, celebrity makeup, sharing his philosophy of minimum makeup, maximum impact. And I believe that's really great.
1: Oh, they're going to start singing the share song.
2: I, I, Will you believe it? Oh, gosh, yeah. shut up, Seth. <laughs> while working on <laughs> while working on and developing Rami's beautiful his Rami beauty therapy product collection, Rami has hailed as the master of makeup in the pages of every fashion magazine, every beauty magazine. I mean, I am just going to name a few like Vogue, Allure, Self, Shape, Lucky. Health, So many more. I'm not even going to say them all. Celebrating 10 years in the beauty industry, Rami skillfully wrote, beauty therapy, the ultimate guide to looking and feeling great while living with cancer, which coincides with his volunteer work. He does amazing, amazing volunteer work, teaching classes at cancer care and donating proceeds from various products to cancer charities. Rami also wrote the number one bestseller, How to Fake Real Beauty, which was released to rave reviews. Beautiful, kind, genuine, and amazingly loving, Rami's life has been everything but easy breezy. Cover girl. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm super excited, and it's with love and, and passion and joy and total respect that I welcome to the One Tough Mother show the famous makeup artist, Rami. <clears throat> Yay, thank welcome. You, thank you. Oh my God. Did I make mm. you feel like wow?
0: Um, there'll be no living with me now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> How are you? I'm
0: great, thank you. I'm happy to be here.
2: Oh, I'm so thrilled you're here. I know you have a little a little cold. Everybody has a little something, I think, lately. Yes. And you feeling
0: I feel fine. I just sound a little raspy, a little demimore in the voice.
2: Oh wow. <laughs> Wait a minute. When you walked in, you said I said, So how's it going? What you went up to? And you said, I just did who?
0: Oh, I did uh, Tia Leone's makeup.
2: I know. Amazing, right?
0: She's a great actress. She's great, and she's wonderful in person, too. Really, really sweet, down-to-earth, and very funny.
2: Oh, is there anybody that's not ever been with you? I can't say that. I can ask. I'm asking. That's not
0: been nice, you mean? This Uh, is
2: the One Tough Mother show.
0: I've actually been very, very fortunate in in my career. Um, I've had people that, uh, you know— uh, one day I'll write a tell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying, baby. <laughs> read a couple of stories, but really I've been I've been mostly very very lucky. Uh, everyone's very nice, and you know you're there to make people look good, so um, they're usually pretty nice to the makeup artist. I think that that's been my experience. And Joan
2: Rivers, what was she like? She
0: was truly wonderful, actually. Seth um, has a yeah. Joan
2: story
1: too. Yeah. I got to meet her, an interviewer, uh, recorder at her house, and she was just. The nicest The best Yeah she's like yeah. Wonderful I couldn't uh, I was raving about her Wow
2: yeah. Okay Let her Rest
0: in peace Amen. Yeah, she she gave me my greatest compliment, which was the, to me the the compliment I hold dearest to my heart. She told me I was quick witted and I should do stand up, and and that's stayed with me. That's like my uh, bucket list thing I want to do someday because be, because it came from her.
2: Oh, that is awesome.
0: Yeah. That, that's uh, that's legit. If she says it. Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Now you're gonna be funny
1: for the rest of the show, Ronnie.
2: Damn it, muster <laughs> up some funny. Um, let's get go back a little bit. I want to tell everybody like, how did you get started at this? Because this was not your life mission at first. Uh,
0: No, I was very entrepreneurial in my 20s. And I graduated college with a a degree in communications. And I I, uh, moved into Manhattan. And I um, really just said, okay, now I have to support myself. And I just would have a business idea. And I would just dive in and start doing it. um, And always managed to support myself. But I would get bored and restless. And I would move on to the next thing. And it, it what started happening after several years of this, people, every time I ran into someone I knew, they'd go, oh, Rami, what are you doing now? You know, like, <laughs> you know. oh. and, and, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're very self-conscious. I'm like, oh, God, they're counting my failures, you know. <laughs> and so be, based on that, I ended up applying to law school. And this was after many, uh, you know, trying many different things. I was working at the Animal Medical Center as a clinic aide. I was considering veterinary school because I love animals. And while I was there, I got accepted to law school, and I was actually upset when I got. <laughs> of I was like, "Oh no, now I have to try this." You know? <laughs> oh
2: damn! And you
0: know, my mom was like, "You're not getting any younger. You know, it's a <laughs> bird in the hand. You know." And so. I moved – my parents at the time were living uh, still in Queens um, in the house where I grew up and I moved back home to my parents uh, after living on my own for about six, seven years. So that was a big adjustment and that was because they lived right by the law school, St. John's Law. And um, I went to law school and for a year and I did very well academically but I knew with everything that I am that this is not the career path for me. It's not what I want to do with my life. And the one year in law school cleaned me out financially. Any money I'd accumulated in the right. seven years, you know, um, since graduating college, I uh, w- they just emptied my bank account, and I owed about thirty thousand dollars in l- law school loans. So I decided I'm going to drop out. I had a year to change my mind and go back to school, but I knew I was never going to go back. Um, I the smartest thing I did was I stayed living with my parents and I worked two jobs. And I saved every penny and I paid off the law school loans before it accrued any interest. You get, oh. you get like a six-month grace period. And um, that freed me up. You know, that made me like, OK, now what do I want to do with my life? I have to kind of, you know, make a decision. And I was 29 at the time. And I ended up uh, deciding to move to Australia because – I heard Australians were really nice. Oh, my God! (laughs) And it was as far away as I could go from New York where they still spoke English.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that's (laughs) it, dude. Those
0: were the two deciding factors. And um, I wanted to get away from my friends and my family and everyone's influence on me and decide for myself. What do I want to do with the rest of my life? And um, I left to my own devices, I really thought, what can I do to not just have a job for another year or two, but really have a career for the rest of my life? And the only thing that interested me was the beauty industry. And I said, I don't want to make any decisions or announcements. I'm going to go to, um, I'm going to quietly take a class, a course, and see how I like it. And I knew the first day, I'm like, this is it. This is the thing I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. I loved it. And um, then I told my family and, you know, my nice Jewish parents. I was afraid to tell them, like, not only am I not going to law school, but I'm going to be a makeup artist. Like, oh, why not just kill them? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and luckily, they were missing me at that point. So they chose to be very supportive. They were like, why didn't you think of this sooner? You're going to be great at it. And because they didn't disown me, <laughs> it uh, it really – that really made me decide okay this I'm really going to pursue this seriously and I ended up apprenticing some well-known makeup artists in Sydney and one of them was a great mentor. And he told me what to do when I come back to New York to start my career. And he told me to get a job in retail. And I'm like, I didn't go through all this to sell a lipstick at the counter, you know. Right. And he said, well, you want a steady income while you pursue a freelance career. And uh, he was absolutely right. And I-, I talked my way into a job at Barney's. <laughs> oh,
2: my God.
0: And it turned out it was the one on 17th Street, the original Barney's. And um a lot of fashion people shopped there and I made a lot of connections there and um, that led to work. There were like photographers I worked with for the next 20 years um, and a lot of opportunities there. And I wasn't there that long. I was there maybe like six months or so. And then I went to work for Bobby Brown Cosmetics. And then I ended up just – I was going on Ghosties on my day off and I had time to kill. So I went to visit a friend in the Takashimaya store that's no longer there. And uh, he said, oh, have you seen this new salon that just opened upstairs? It's unbelievable. Go take a look at it. So I had time to kill. So I went to look at the salon. And long story short, they ended up hiring me to be their makeup director.
2: Wow. And, and
0: that was the job that put me on the map. Um, I became uh, well-known as a makeup artist. I started working on celebrities and beauty editors and developed a clientele. And I became famous for doing eyebrows while i was there that became my calling card was doing everybody's eyebrows and it's not what i wanted um i just i happened to get written up in an article in vogue and that sort of opened the floodgates and while it was happening i didn't realize like oh this is it now like everybody's going to want me for eyebrows but um i wanted to focus on the makeup but i eventually realized you know play to your strengths if this is what you're really good at and this is what people want from you give it to them And everything was going great in my career, and then I was suddenly diagnosed with lymphoma. And I was very young. I was uh, 32, and I had to go through five months of chemo and a month of daily radiation. And I went to work the entire time through the chemo, totally bald and, you know, very open about the situation. Uh, My clients were wonderful. My coworkers were great. Um, The owners of the salon didn't like my appearance. So to my face, they were like – it's so great you're coming to work every day. And um, apparently they were trying to figure out how to get me to quit. And they started putting me through a lot of indignities and, you know, embarrassing me in front of everyone at the salon. And um, finally I confronted them and they were like, what are you going to do about it? And I said, if you're trying to get me to quit, it'll, it's never going to happen because um, I need my health insurance. I need, you know, my, to Absolutely. support myself. Um, and so they said, fine, we're letting you go. And I said, why? Like, based on what? I'm bringing in a lot of money. I'm getting great press. My clients love me. What's the problem? And they said, quote, you're not the pretty boy we hired.
2: Imagine I, wow, I was that like, that was that my nerve.
0: <laughs> I was very mixed emotions. I joke that, you know, I was like oddly flattered and also furious. <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> I
2: tell you um, what, Rami, it's, you, you have like some serious stones, right, Seth? I mean, you leave your family. To go to Australia, and first of all, I'm listening. To my, my my son's going to be an attorney. My son's a lawyer because I say that about my son when he gets his, when he got his doctorate, mm-hmm. like he's not a doctor. But I go, I, my son's a doctor. <laughs> but now, now you just say that's it. I'm done. You leave law school. You go to Australia, which is amazing in itself. By yourself, by the way. Yes, alone. Just show up in the airport in Australia. You go. Okay, I got to mm-hmm. figure this whole thing out. And you just really took all the right steps. It was amazing at what you did.
0: It felt very destined at the time. Like it was very, you know, like people say that to me all the time, like, wow, how crazy to go to the other side of the planet. I'm like, well, it was a round trip ticket. It wasn't like I just, you know, was going there and like, oh, well, we'll see what happens, you know. Um, I knew I could always come back, you know, if I didn't like it. And as it turned out, I did love it. It was wonderful. The people were wonderful. The the whole experience was wonderful.
2: Where'd you go to Sydney?
0: I was primarily living in Sydney. I spent about six weeks in Melbourne. And then my last week, I went to Cairns to see the Great Barrier Reef and the rainforest and everything. And um, yeah, it was wonderful. Actually, there's a funny story there. When I was in Cairns, um, I stayed at a bed and breakfast. And there were three British guys uh, also staying at the same bed and breakfast. And you'd have to have meals together. Right. And... Uh, One of them um, had a scar across his entire face, like a lightning bolt across his face. And I finally, you know, asked him, I said, what's going on with, you know, what happened there? And he said he had a brain tumor and the only way they could remove it was to go through his face. Wow. Yeah. And it it actually wasn't really, um, it wasn't like a horrible looking scar, but it was very, it was evident, but it wasn't like unsightly or anything. It was just like clearly he'd been through something. And um, I said, my first reaction was like, wow, you're so lucky, you know, meaning that you're still alive and right, lucky that you're okay. Right. And he, ba- I, he said, F you. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and I was like, okay. And then um, I said, what do you do for a living? And he said, he was a makeup artist for British Vogue. And I went, oh my God, I'm heading home to New York. I was here in Australia. I just went to beauty school and now I'm going to pursue being a makeup artist as well. Like, this is so great. And he very coldly turned to his friends and he said, why does everyone in New York with a makeup kit think that they're a makeup artist? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, And I was like, wow, what kind of industry am I getting myself into? Like, oh my God, these people are terrible. And actually, he that was the last time I met someone in the industry that wasn't uh, the nicest. You know, I oh was, as I said, I'd been lucky in my career, you know. <laughs> but I had that moment of like, maybe I should rethink this.
2: Right? Yeah. I'm I'm telling you. It was
0: great that you left yourself open, though, when you first started to
1: meeting people and, and checking everything out. Like You said, oh, I had time to kill. But you, you're you just so open to – it wasn't like you were super aggressive. You just wanted to learn and take in as much as you could,
0: and it, it really worked for your career. Yes, it did, actually, yeah.
2: So when you I got go back to it. New York and you went to the studio and these idiots, idiots said, you're not the pretty boy we hired. I, you know, I don't even know how – I would have taken that except total hurt. It, it, that was years ago. So then you yes. didn't press that kind of thing years ago, right?
0: Well, you know, every time I tell that story, I, I, the first thing people say is lawsuit, lawsuit, you should sue them. I did look into it at the time. And first of all, you know, it was early in my career and I didn't want to be known as as the guy that sued. You know, then no one's going to hire you is what you're thinking. And um, but we did have a mediation. I basically got my severance pay from them, which they had tried to deny me also and I went into business for myself because another top salon had approached me and said, "Come be our makeup director." And I said, "Oh, this is a godsend! Great." And when I went to meet with them, I, you know, I, I was still—I had just finished chemo, but I looked very much like I was going through. You know, I was bald and, and looked like a cancer patient. And when they saw me, they said oh, you don't look like your pictures. And <laughs> I said, well, this, you know, I explained, and I said, another month I'll be good as new, you know, and the cancer's technically gone now. And they said, well, we're not looking to hire someone right this minute anyway. Oh. And um, so I realized no one's going to hire me, like, right now. And so I, out of necessity... I did a mailing to my clients, uh, and I said, you know, I sent a beautiful invitation. I said I'm I'm now available at my private studio, and I set up set it up at home. And God bless, people came. And then I was very lucky at the time; I didn't have a publicist or anything. But because of that Vogue article, um, where I was written up as you know the eyebrow guy, I got written up in all the other magazines as like best eyebrows. All the directories, you know, the Allure Directory, New York Magazine, uh, and it sent new people my way. And I decided to uh, do my own makeup line. And I took my little meager life savings and I started with just a few products, and I would sell it to my brow clients. And then uh, it took about a year of meetings, um, and I ended up launching it at Bergdorf Goodman, the brand. Wow! And just as I got into Bergdorf, the salon that fired me went out of business. Oh, geez. Yeah, it was wow. Very karmic. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's awesome. And I was
0: like, now what's my motivation? <laughs> 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 right? You don't seem like yeah. the
2: kind of guy that needs a lot of motivation, though. You're pretty. You're pretty much of a go getter. But so, so now your salon. Taken off, or It's just little by little it starts to grow.
0: Um, well, no, it, it got very busy very quickly, um, and then I worked from home for about um, I would say four years, and then I opened Rami Spa, um, and I was there for eleven years, um, and that was also like headquarters to the brand. Like we had our offices there, and the front was a salon area, and. Um, But uh, it was one of those New York stories after 11 years, they wanted to double the rent and it just wasn't worth it. So I went back to working out of my private studio, you know, and so, um, you know, still, uh, um, you know, working from home basically like um, but I love it. I like even when I had the spa I had an apartment in the back. I like a live work situation. Yeah, it's great. I, I feel right? like I'm a lot more productive. You know, um at one point I did um buy an apartment downtown when I had Rami Spa and it was like a fifteen, twenty minute walk door to door and I found that You know, I I said, okay, I'm going to work on something. Like, for example, writing my book, I'm going to work on it when I get home. But then you have dinner and you you get out of the work zone. And I found, uh, whereas when I have a live work, I just turn on the TV and sit at the computer and write the book. Right, (laughs) And and so for me, I like a live work situation.
2: So you have this theory that minimum makeup is maximum impact. And I love that. Yes. Love it. Um. When you when you do people's makeups like when you do all the celebrities you do mm-hmm. y- you know that there's either a um, a role that they're playing or something that they're gonna be in mm-hmm. do they ask you your opinion or do they tell you what they want
0: uh, it's a little bit of both it's sort of a collaborative effort um, a lot of times I mean you know I don't do makeup necessarily for someone uh you know, when they're doing a film, let's say, I'm not, I've done that in the past, but it's not, that's usually when I do a celebrity, it's, you know, for the red carpet once right. the movie's been done. Right. Um, so, you know, they want to look their most beautiful, of course, but, um, and there's certain trends, sometimes they, they're they like, you know, use, I, I really have to use this color, kind of, you know, this lipstick color, like burgundy, you know, um, but, you know, it's usually a little bit of back and forth. And sometimes you try something and they, you know, that they wanted, and then they don't love it. And I'm like, how about, this and, and then, you know, it just sort of uh, comes together. Okay. Yeah.
2: And you, but you fly all over the world, right? You'll go anywhere, right? I, I have, yeah. um,
0: but um, I have to admit I'm a little lazy sometimes. And, you know, um, a lot of the people that I work on, it's when they're in New York.
2: Okay. Yes. Yeah. But, but I know you've gone out to LA quite a bit, right? I've
0: gone, yes. Over the years, I have, yes.
2: So, it, it just is amazing to me that you do that. I mean, David, you, you, you got to be honest with me. Has there anybody ever come in and you were like, "Oh, dude, this is going to be a rough one?"
0: You mean how they look? Yeah. Um, yes, you know, and sometimes uh actually believe it or not, it happened. I won't say who because of what I'm about to tell you, but uh someone who became a major major supermodel. And I worked on her for um, like a jeans ad campaign in her early years. And when I first saw her, I just went, oh, God, what am I going to (laughs) do? Like she just – not that she was unattractive but just very plain, I thought. And uh, she just had that kind of face that you do just a, a little makeup and the lighting. And when she's in front of the camera, magic. I mean, she was spectacular and also talented, like a very good model. She understood what, you know, her angles and she didn't just stand there. She kind of knew how to move. And she went on, you know, to become a Victoria's Secret supermodel. And, um, and she's stunning and i look at her now and i'm like wow she's really beautiful but she i remember when i first saw her i was just kind of like yikes you know and uh but then the minute her makeup was done and she was on set i realized very quickly like wow i wouldn't look at her twice on the street but she's amazing like really a beauty
2: has there anybody that's been really mean um i mean down and dirty mean
0: i've had um I've I've had a couple of incidents. Um, I I've worked on Naomi Campbell, um, and I think she was trying very hard to be nice. It's just you know she just didn't seem very happy, right? You know, in right, general. Right. But she was trying. I you know I can't really say that she was awful. It's just it was almost like she's not comfortable in her own skin, kind of thing. Right. Um, and um, I had one uh, very famous uh, television host. Um, I was doing her makeup for her TV show. And um, she was always very nice, but there were a couple of in- incidents where all of a sudden it was like, oh, my God, Joan Crawford with a wire hanger kind of, <laughs> you know, like, like Jekyll and Hyde. And I was like, wow, it was so uh, jarring because it came from left field. She was always so pleasant. and But there were one or two incidents where she kind of like, you know, bit your head off and for nothing, you know. And then uh, she wrote a book about her life, and it turned out she was bipolar. Oh. And I, it, you kind of went, oh, okay, that kind of, yeah, that it really explains it
1: back back to the model you said who you know was playing Jane, but you know she knew how to knew her angles and everything i was always was curious how is it that people are some people are photogenic and some people just look so
0: much better in person? you know it's a god given gift for people who are photogenic it's just god given um i once um I was photographed with Lauren Hutton, the legendary supermodel and no question, in person, she's a beautiful woman. Like, you know, she's a woman of a certain age, but she's she's still a great-looking woman. However, in the photo, and the photo was taken with my phone, unretouched. I printed it up when I got home. She looked glowing, and she looked like not a day over 40 in the picture. And I'm telling you, that photo was not touched in any way. There was no filter. There was no nothing. And she just photographed so amazingly um, so much, you know, I mean, she looked good in person, but in the photo, it was just unbelievable how the camera loved her. And I was like, this is why she's a legendary supermodel right, for a reason.
2: Right, And it was your phone camera. No yeah, less. it
0: wasn't a great camera. It wasn't great lighting. And she just, I mean, glowing and stunning. The camera just loved her face. It was amazing.
2: That's that's incredible, and you've been in this game a long time, like thirty years.
0: <laughs> Not that, like twenty-two years. Twenty-two years. Yes.
2: So you've been in this game a long time. So you've seen a lot of trends, Yes. Like things that come and go. You know, I want my eyes all black, and yeah. I want purple, and you know, just I'm all glitter, and I'd shove me the a smoky glitter. eyes. Yes. Yeah, the it's smok- funny.
0: That's that one. Yes comes it, it comes back again and again and, and people sometimes don't even know what it means they just hear smoky eye and that's what they want but they don't even know
1: i only why. know because i work with sonia morgan Otherwise, oh, i would have okay. no
0: idea what a smoky eye yeah. is. i know sonia she's very nice
1: oh that's she's a trip yeah. yes she's
0: a trip is a good word <laughs>
2: <laughs> well you know and, and i want to point out this you your philanthropy endeavors is are amazing Thank you. You're so kind. Um, again, I met you at a, a cancer event that our dear friend of ours was doing, and um, she invited me, and I went. And she goes, "Oh, oh my God, you got to talk to Rami." you got to ask Rami about his life. He's incredible. Oh. And I'm like, okay, well, he's working on people. And she's like, <laughs> well, just stand over there. And you were so kind to everyone. I just watched well, you, you for like half an hour. People were just in love with you. And you were so kind. And you were so generous to give up your time and to speak to these women who, actually, the woman before we started talking was very upset. Like, you could see visibly. And... um you could see she just everything about cancer to her was just the horrific thing that it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was, you know, talking about being bald and her skin is so bad. It feels like leather and and her eyes are dry and she was going on and on and on and on. And you just handled it so amazingly. At, she got out of your chair as though she was the most beautiful woman in the world. And she did actually look very beautiful when you got done with her. Thank you. And you really didn't do a ton, but what you did made her feel like she was the most beautiful woman in the world.
0: I think um, one of the secrets of my success as a makeup artist is, I and and people think I'm kidding when I say this, uh, I fall in love with every face I work on. And that's the truth. Every person has something beautiful about them. And it's the same equation, whether it's a supermodel or a movie star or a housewife from Kansas, it's the same equation for everyone. There are things you want to draw attention away from and things you want to play up. And it's the same for every human being on the planet. And I always say, I wish that um, I wish that everyone, in, you know, on Earth could know, you know, how that is, because it would make everyone feel better about themselves. Because right. you know, we're so inundated with images of perfection, and um, and it's really the same for everyone. You that's, know,
2: that's just and that's a wonderful way of saying it. So you're cancer-free, for life is going years great. already, yeah. Wow. And then tell them what happens next.
0: Hit by? Oh yeah. I so um, well in between um, what you're referring to. Uh, right after cancer, about twelve years ago, I was diagnosed with type two diabetes, which they think started earlier because I went through chemo. Okay. But I manage it thankfully with you know um, diet and exercise and medication. But it's you know it's tough. It's a constant battle. Um, and then three and a half years ago, I was coming home on a Sunday afternoon, and I was run over in the street by. Um, A guy on a moped or a motorcycle and I'm not sure. If I sound unsure, it's because I was knocked out and I don't remember the accident. Um, But I had a fractured skull, bleeding in the brain, concussion. Um, I lost about 10 days where I don't remember anything. and the hospital uh released me uh Bellevue hospital released me on day 3 while I was still pretty much unconscious and uh my family put me to bed and I was home for 4 days and nights being taken care of by friends and family around the clock and my mom said I opened my eyes and I said mom it's killing me do something and I passed out again and she was also coming to the realization I wasn't okay I wasn't getting up I wasn't functioning how could I you know why am I not in the hospital so they I live fortunately across the street from NYU and they, my parents walked me to the emergency room and when they heard um, one of the medications that Bellevue prescribed was Motrin, which is uh, a blood thinner. Mm-hmm. While they were stabilizing the bleeding in my brain, they, they made a mistake and they, they prescribed Motrin. And um, that's what my parents were giving me because that's what was prescribed. And uh, when they heard this at NYU, they apparently went nuts and they scanned me again and it had caused a second bleeding in the brain. And they told my parents, if you hadn't brought him back to a hospital, I would have just died in my sleep. So I was very lucky. Um, They put me in the ICU at NYU and saved me. And I woke up, I think, like four days later. And uh, from that point on, waking up in the ICU, I remember pretty much everything
1: wow, that's incredible. that that makes me so mad. You know, if I make a mistake, it's a bad edit on a podcast. You can't make a mistake in that situation. Right. And, we, and actually, a lot of people know that those things are blood thinners. Like that's like almost common knowledge right. and yeah. to be that to be that, you know, I negligence. Maybe it was like
0: a new resident, but then I no. thought, but somebody signed off on Something it. Like exactly. Somebody looked at it and, and yeah. signed off and said, "Okay." You know, I know yeah. they
1: work crazy hours, and it's like, but it's, you know, you're messing with people's lives. How many li- people's lives get lost like that? Yeah. You were so fortunate.
0: I you was know? very lucky. Do you remember lucky.
2: waking up and saying this to your mom, or this was all? I
0: have a vague memory of it. Yes, uh, it almost like a dream. Um, I had. I was in and out of consciousness. Apparently, they tell me now, like I would open my eyes, I would speak, and I would pass out again. And that's um, not normal. <laughs> but I, I remember, you know, I have a vague memory of like uh, my best friend was arriving the day of the accident was arriving from Switzerland uh, for a vacation to stay with me for a week. And, um, you know, my mother had the presence of mind to leave him a spare key and a note, you know, and I remember in Bellevue, my only memory of Bellevue is opening my eyes, seeing my best friend there, like smiling at me, and then passing out again. That's my only memory. And he tells me I was in and out of consciousness, you know, he was there for hours, and I don't remember any of that. And not only the Motrin, but the fact that they let you go. Yeah, that's crazy. Like well, three well, days well, later, okay, yeah. get out of here now. You're good. Yeah. Yeah, you're Have scrolling. a good one. Yeah. Good. Just, yeah. Know, yeah, Just, you call
2: know, yeah. Call us, or we'll call you. Yeah. Which one? Yeah. yeah, it was, That's on.
0: I guess they needed the bed. I guess so. It was awful. It was really awful. Terrible.
2: Thankful. Thank God for your mother and your father that they listened to you. Thank God. Yeah.
0: I know you're not litigious, but did you sue Bellevue? It's yeah. There's a there's a case pending. All right, thank you. Yeah. Oh so you,
1: my uh, gosh. You know, for for anything else, just like they need to know to be held accountable for something well, you like know, that.
0: you know, one thing I didn't know that is important to know was if you have an incident in a hospital, if you don't file a complaint within, I think it's 90 days, you can never ever <gasps> sue or complain after the 90 days. That's ridiculous. Too. Right. I had a lawyer friend who, um, you know, we had talked, and he, you know, I I didn't I w- didn't have the presence of mind to be like, oh, yeah, let me sue them. I just needed to recover. And then he called me and he said, you know, if you don't file a complaint this week, then you'll never be able to take action. And I said, okay, but I said, do I have to sue if if I file a complaint? And he said, no, but uh, but you will be able to should you choose to. And I said, well, put in the complaint because also it might save the next person. Right. You know, so that's important. And so we- we Oh, you know,
1: know, at that point, you might not have known any long-term effects
0: either. Right, we still don't know. You know, um, I one thing I'm left with after three and a half years, um, I still can't smell or taste anything since the accident. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, really, that's yeah, so
2: awful. It
0: is. It's, and I love to eat, um, but I, you know. It's. I really don't I can't taste I can't smell I went to uh, Israel for the first time in seven years uh, this past summer and I grew up going there every summer that's where my family's from and I you know you go to your grandmother's house you go to all the places you remember and the whole time I was there I was like it didn't feel real, you know. I kept touching things. Like, am I really here? Am I really? It doesn't feel like I'm in my grandmother's house for real. And I couldn't understand why it felt so odd. And then I thought about it, and it's because I have no sense memory. I have no, you know, your grandmother's house has certain smells. I'm not smelling them, <sighs> and the beach, you know, and and all the places you go to. I just I, I can't smell anything, so I'm not making any new sense memories, and I'm I I'm not. You know, remember, I'm not getting the the right, full experience. Right. It's like a dimension is missing from the whole experience. Oh. Something we take for granted. Yeah, I
2: know. Oh, I would yeah. never have thought that, never in my yeah. life. That stinks. I'm sorry. So let's talk But we're talk glad about, you're here. Yeah, Thank we're you. Great. And, we're and absolutely. also, I always say, you know, if
0: this is the worst thing that I ended up with from that accident, I'm very fortunate. Yeah.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. crazy in itself. You were just crossing the street, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Coming home from like brunch. Yeah. Oh, cool. middle, <laughs> middle of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it was the middle of the day on a Sunday afternoon.
1: Incredible. And they, obviously they didn't stop.
0: Right? No. I mean, well, they, yeah, they caught the guy. Oh, they did? Yes, but I, he was a delivery guy for a restaurant. And um, the restaurant also incredibly unresponsive to anything the lawyers send them and, you know, really, really just being awful about it. Um, and But the guy uh, who hit me was so traumatized, he quit the job the next day. Oh. And he wasn't licensed he wasn't trained to use the moped or the motorbike oh, or whatever wow. it was and um, but i don't know if he stopped of his own volition or if someone held him right. there but he was there when the police arrived and all that
2: so oh, geez that's inc- oh Jiminy. well you you absolutely like you said if it's the worst then Thankful that I, you're If here. I'm here to complain, I'm doing okay. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk
2: about your makeup line. Sure. You have a whole line. Tell, us, yes. it, this is incredible. <laughs> if you guys are looking for Christmas gifts, this is the place to go. Where would they find your stuff? Talk about this. Um,
0: the best place would be Rami.com. It's R A M Y.com. Um, that's the website. We ship all over the world. Um, I'm also sold on Amazon and, of course, at my New York studio. Um, and um, my philosophy is minimum makeup, maximum impact. Um, my philosophy of beauty has always been: you want people to notice you, not your makeup necessarily. I mean, makeup is fun, and you can be creative with it. I do have, you know, um, I do have products for that as well in the line. But my my real essential products are: you just want to look like you have beautiful skin, beautiful eyes, a healthy glow. Um, that's always been my personal standard of beauty. You know, I don't want to go look at someone and go, oh, okay, she owns a makeup palette. <laughs> no, <I can't. laughs> or her
1: family was in the circus. Okay. Yeah. Nice, yeah.
0: Or she has glaucoma and can't see how that blush really looks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. That's nice. <laughs> that, that always drove me crazy. When women put like makeup, that looks like a clown. It's you know like, what? It's, Im- it's when they do their the lips. Yeah. <laughs> they
2: make their lips way up with their lipstick to try yeah. to make their... That I look at it and think, why? Why didn't you look in the mirror at that first? Yeah, I, th- think,
0: th- th- I don't know. I don't know how it starts, you know, when they get so, like, where it's almost like a mask of, you know, of product. Right. You know, it's so heavy handed. And some people really love it, they just enjoy doing the makeup. But, you know, or I'll say to someone, like, someone will come in for a makeup lesson and they'll be wearing some really, really unflattering lip color, like, just awful. And I'll say, you know, and I always try to be positive and I'll say, you know, you've got really nice lips, but I think we can do better with than this color. And they'll be like, oh, my boyfriend hates it. My mother hates it. My coworkers tell me it looks terrible. And I said, well, well do you think they're all just trying to hurt your feelings? <laughs> like, 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 obviously, it's not a great color. Why do you wear it? If you know, if everybody's telling you it's not good, why, you know, why wear a color that's not not a, doesn't look good on you. And, and, uh, this one woman said to me, because it's so pretty in the package, you know? Oh my and, and I said, well, then keep it in the package, you know, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, just because it looks good in, you know, in put the package the doesn't mean it's going to look good on your face, you know, right. or, you know, find a way to make it work, you know, like put something on top of it. Maybe that'll make it kind of go with your skin tone better, you know, like blend it with something. How do you feel about the
1: expression? It drives me crazy. Putting on your face.
0: I don't like that because, Uh, again, that's kind of that whole artifice, that whole Instagram face, you know, where everything is just – You know, there's some – I look at other cosmetic companies and there's one in particular and I won't name them. But they – you know, it's so artificial. Like there's nothing natural about it. Like you know that that the models they use, nobody walks around looking like this. Right. They have no pores. Everything is like a cartoon. It literally looks like almost like an animation of a face. And that's – like all their posts are like that. And I I just – It's, I can't stand that, you know, because there's nothing um, pretty about it nothing authentic you know, nothing, nothing authentic. real yeah yeah it's sort of like uh you know when we talk about anti-aging and I, I you know a little bit of botox or a little bit of filler they can do wonderful things but i always say you have to know when to hold them and when to fold them and some people and i've had clients like this where they they get do a little botox maybe a little fi- you know filler in in their face and they look amazing and then they go crazy oh boy right and they come back and they look like a blowfish right. and i'm like that's not a young fresh look there's, like, there's nothing about this that is youthful or beautiful you know it's just you've, they've gone crazy is it, and,
1: an, is it an addiction you think like, I feel like people once they start the plastic surgery in different things, I believe it just, it. It, just, yep. it just keeps going so. and going and going
0: I, I feel my my real experience is it stems from a sort of deep insecurity. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people, I, I've had clients that I think were absolutely beautiful, and they'd had a little, they'd had a nose job maybe, maybe they had uh, breast implants, but they but they looked good. And then they just keep going back more and more and more. And after the third nose job and the third breast implants and the third lip injections, they look like a caricature of what they started right. out looking like. And they looked great. And it's almost like it's just they're still not happy with themselves. And I think it stems from that.
2: And, you know, there could be makeup gone wrong. You know, like Girls Gone Wild. Makeup gone wrong is huge. Huge. Like, look at Courtney Cox. And she talks about it. She Mm -hmm. so totally goes and says, I wanted to look fresh for my wedding And I went to have some things done and it went totally wrong. Like too much.
0: Mm. Yeah. I know with fillers um, there's and Botox, you know, like I've seen people where they look like somebody pulled them out of a lake, like their face is so bloated and, (laughs) you know, and then, but if you run into them a month later, they look fantastic. Right. So I know there is like kind of an adjustment period and I think, but I still think to have that it shouldn't take a month for it to settle into right. looking good. That means you're overdoing it.
2: And I read actually, I was it maybe 4 or 5 months ago. I forget even where I read this at in one of the beauty magazines that there's a permanent filler now.
1: Oh.
0: I, I
2: would be so freaking terrified. First of all, I'm terrified to do any of it. Yeah, you know, people, but,
1: are, people are dying doing this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. very much so. Yeah. It's,
0: it's scary. There was a, a recent uh, beautiful-looking girl who went to Mexico. They say it was for a nose job, but there's been speculation that maybe it wasn't really a nose job because what she died from was they gave her anesthesia in her spine. <sighs> and, <clears throat> excuse me. and why would they do that for a nose job? And it went to her brain, and oh she's God. brain dead now. Oh, mm. my God. Yeah, very sad. And, and you know, when
2: you go to LA, like they all look like <coughs> they look bizarre to me because you know New York is a different animal. Like we're all like, okay, but it's you not just
1: LA; it's happening everywhere. It's like it's from social media. Right? You correct me if I'm wrong, Rami. It's growing; it's happening everywhere where people are changing. I just saw something on on Twitter today. It's called black fishing. It's where white girls are. are
0: Oh, yes. They they make themselves look African-American because they want more followers and they want... But how do they know, do that? They, with makeup and, and, you know, they just tanning. darken their skin. They say even people like Kim Kardashian has been accused of it where in certain pictures she looks a little darker skinned.
1: And then they also get the breast implants and the butt implants and they, they change See, their that bodies. I See, was,
2: I was so oblivious to the butt implant thing. Seth is the one who told me oh about it.
1: Well, it's a guy looking over my shoulder. We, we used to do a podcast where I worked with uh, Amber Rose and I said... God, look at this butt she put on herself. He goes, "Oh, it's it's, it's implants." I said, "Are you kidding me? This is like a ski slope. Like there's, yeah. there, there's no one, no one could have a flat stomach and have a, a butt that big. Right. It's just a teeny it's tiny impossible. waist. Right? Like it's impossible. Yeah. So it's just it's amazing people are kind of oblivious to it. And not, I mean, I was at some point too. But then you see that you see the style. Everyone has a certain look. Right. When you see that that big curvy mountains on coming out of each side of the person's body." That means uh, they had work done.
0: Yeah,
2: but there's trends, and what happens when that trend goes away, and you've got that big, huge butt?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's bad, and some people get like um, injections in the butt, you know, of fat or silicone, or you know, and uh, sometimes they they get very sick from it, like the silicone spreads, and you know, it's It's almost like common sense, though, right? You're putting like foreign substances in your body, and I don't like anything permanent, like you know, with eyebrows, I don't like permanent tattooing. I do microblading now, and the only reason. I started doing it is because it lasts about two years um, and less if you don't get it touched up. So, uh, you know that I'm okay with because anything permanent, you know, the face changes, the trends change, um, and if you do something permanent, you're stuck with it. Getting a permanent filler, what happens when everything around it collapses? You know, right?
2: Then you have to go back and get more filler, right. right?
0: Or something, you know, and it's just, uh, I don't like permanence. I had had a great
2: compliment for Rami when he (coughs) he came in because he said, I can't believe you have grandchildren. I said, yeah, six and a half, almost seven grandchildren. The only thing I ever wanted fixed on my whole entire body is my neck. I feel like mm. I have. Oh, now you guys both turn your head. <laughs> See, I want my neck fixed. Oh, and I get over I think it. that's from lifting weights my whole life. Like I think wow. somehow.
0: Get a scarf or a turtleneck.
2: I can't wear a turtleneck. But you know,
0: they can address that with filler, I believe, too. There you go, Karen. Bo can bo start socks. filling yeah. up.
2: All right, I'll fill up yeah. on my neck. Although I
0: don't sure. think it looks bad, really.
2: You know, yeah, no. I always think it, I, I look at pictures, I'm like, oh, damn it, there's my neck. Yeah. <laughs> so, <And> we all, <laughs> don't we
0: all do that? We all look at ourselves and just like, uh, I've yeah. always hated my nose.
2: Really? <laughs> you have a great nose.
0: Please, when I got run over, I'm like, dude, is my nose, please tell me my nose broke, <laughs> 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 so I can get it done, but no, you know. Oh,
2: my gosh, that's like, so, so your your line, you've tested it, it's great, everybody loves it. You you have what, everything, right?
0: Everything, it's a full makeup line. We have like 130 SKUs, yeah.
2: That's amazing. Amazing. And it's called
0: Rami Beauty Therapy. It's also known as Rami Cosmetics.
2: Okay. That's super well, we're thank you so much for being on our show. We just loved it. Thank you. And we want to ask you to sit in. Will you sit in for the next episode or next portion of the show? We'll be right back with headaches and headlights. Thank you, Rami.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.
2: The One Tough Mother Podcast: Real Talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back, and we've got wonderful Rami. He's going to sit
1: in with us with Seth's headaches and headlines. Rami, feel free to jump in whenever you want. Jump, we'll do. Peloton pulls ahead of SoulCycle. How about that? Whoa. Racing for stationary bike business. Peloton has passed SoulCycle according to second measure data. The fitness company selling bikes for use at home along with the remote training products more than doubled its customer base in the past year. As recently as 2017, SoulCycle had tripled the customers of Peloton. SoulCycle, which offers classes in its 90 gyms, earlier this year withdrew an IPO application while Peloton announced plans to go public in 2019. You've um,
2: been to SoulCycle, right?
1: Uh, Yeah. I've never. never it's known. great. I mean, this, this stuff is. It's expensive, though. Is <laughs> it? That's the
0: thing. It's but it's you know it's. But so is the Peloton.
1: Yeah, but you can have it at home too, right? So but
0: it's, it's expensive. Yeah, I don't know. Is, it's. I think it's over two thousand dollars for to get the bike at home.
2: It's just a stationary bike, you guys. Come on. Right. You know, I, I feel like I get a real bike and
1: get put back it up to home. old school. <laughs> there's, there's something about being in a gym on a bike in a big room with um, the music playing and the oh, things. okay. Yeah, it's I an need experience. that too. You
0: you, you want to be accountable. You know, people are watching it's you. A you vibrate. know. When I'm at home, I'm like, uh eh, you know. But if you're, but if there's other people around you, you kind of pick up on it's, that energy. It's
1: an experience for sure. Um, Peloton's been offering 39 30 month financing plans for its bikes that cost as much as three SoulCycle classes. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. that's I told you SoulCycle's expensive. Mm-hmm. This I saw uh, a friend of mine posted this on LinkedIn, and um, this, is a, this is a good one for us to talk about. Wall Street decides to sidestep hashtag me too. In trying to avoid sexual harassment accusations, Wall Street executives risk backing into sexual discrimination complaints all over again, say some experts. Um Hedge funds, banks, private equity firms, and others have been crafting informal strategies that tend to isolate women further in an industry that thrives on mentorship, according to Bloomberg. Women are finding themselves excluded from casual after-work drinks, leaving male colleagues uh, uh, to bond, or having what should be a private meeting with a boss with the door left wide open, writes Bloomberg. Yeah, they're just writing off the women because right. they're so afraid to say or do the wrong thing. It's like, what's wrong with you? Like You can't – you know. It, it's. I think some of these hashtag me too's maybe were women taking advantage of this stuff, but for the most part, their women have been, been uh, you know abused right. emotionally, you know whatever. Right. So if you don't know how to conduct yourself like a like a good human being, then you know you need to question right. yourself rather than stop talking to women. Exactly. You can't- I
0: have to say the Wall Street. You know I have uh, friends that work in finance, women, and they always complain that it's such a boys' club. And it's very hard, you know. You you want to be attractive, but on the other hand, if you're if you're not one of the guys, you're excluded. So it's sort of like a lose lose for women, right? You know.
2: And and what do you do if you're a woman? Like, I mean, what if you're bright and you're smart and you're funny and and you want to? These guys can't figure out just to conduct themselves normal, be a
1: normal uh, human being. I'm sure you know some of them, and they're probably very aggressive, and they get what they want, right? Yes, a successful one in Wall Street because Wall Street's a, a you know a shark. It's a Shark Tank anyway, so everyone it's like. It, you know, they're all like you got to be got to go go get it, you know? You can't take no for an answer or be a victim cuz they'll walk all over you, whether you're a man or a woman. Right. That's I, true. I believe
2: I believe that. Yep.
1: All right, we solved that problem. Yep, oh, <laughs> done. <laughs> uh, next. Canada's pop business needs help. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> get the van. Okay. Canada's marijuana industry is expanding. Companies are starting to import workers. Pop producers looking for people to help in their greenhouses are turning to Central America and the Caribbean, for example. Experts are also expecting more job openings for highly educated workers as the industry grows in Canada and improves more cannabis products. About 34 of every 10,000 job postings in Canada are currently for positions within the pot industry, a figure that has tripled within the past year. I mean, it's, it's great.
2: There, it's going to happen, dude. I mean, it's going to happen here, Right. Eventually, it's going to happen because. Well,
1: you got, you got, but you remember, we have, we're a, con- a country run by lobbyists. So the alcohol industry, the tobacco right. industry, the, the pharmaceutical industry, you probably even more so, are always going to push to stop the pot because pot's a cheaper, better, safer alternative to most of their, their products. Right. In my I opinion. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. Yeah,
0: yep. I agree. Big pharma will be against it. Yep. Ugh, big pharma's killing this country.
1: Yep. That's just, uh, in my opinion, my opinion is not necessarily those of others. Okay. All right, another 5.1 million. Blew my mind here. 5.1 million Million. pounds of beef recall. What do we eat? We can't
2: eat lettuce. We can't eat beef.
1: All right. um, Melissa, chicken tonight. Yeah. I feel like chicken tonight. An Arizona-based meat producer has vastly expanded its recent recall, confirming another 5.1 million 5.1 million pounds of raw beef products may be tainted with salmonella after previously reporting 6.5 million pounds were impacted. JBS Tolson said the recalled beef was produced between July 26th and September 7th, distributed nationally and marketed under a variety of brand names such as Kroger, Cedar River Farms, Grass Run Farms, and JBS Generic. Yuck. As of November 15th, the outbreak has left 246 people sick in 25 states, and 56 people have so far been hospitalized.
2: I, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of everything. Every time I open, it's like you can't eat this. Don't eat that. Salmonella. I mean, it's ridiculous.
1: Rami, why did you come back from Australia? <laughs> yeah, I ask myself that uh, often. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Come on, people, get your shit together. Yeah. Wash it's, your hands. No. For that. Yeah. Get your <laughs> shit together. Oh. Not in the food. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it. Flush it. <laughs> it's just come on. I am. It's just you know, just like your you know your hospital story. People like, in a certain industry like you have a responsibility. Right. I don't right. think it's sometimes, but five million, pound, five, five million pounds of f- meat? Come on.
2: Right, right. After a previous re- recall of 6.5. So, wow. wow.
1: I'm going to have a carrot for dinner.
2: <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> Make sure you wash it.
1: Good idea. Okay. Uber drivers get wage bump in New York City. Well, oh, good for them. New York City is introducing minimum pay rate for drivers working for app-based services such as Uber and Lyft. Drivers must be now paid a minimum of $27.86 per hour. Or seventeen dollars and twenty-two cents after expenses, which city officials say translates to a yearly increase of roughly ten thousand dollars. the new The new pay The new pay in twenty days were criticized by the ride-sharing services. The changes would likely lead to fare hikes for riders, Uber said in a statement. But you know what? Um, you know, I was taking Uber when I was traveling for work, and since it's for work, I just took my own car. But they had the sharing cars too, which. Bring the price way down, like you can. I've right. shared, I've actually done it once.
2: Share, I, well, talk
1: to me about that. Share a ride with someone. they, can, like so they via, get dropped I, off I first. Use via
0: all the time, it's always shared rides. What is it? Via, oh, V-I-A. Oh, via, yeah. That was a Starbucks Manhattan coffee, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it's in the city here. It's
0: in the city, and I think they also go to the outer boroughs now, but. Um, It's shared ride, so it's a lot less it's the least expensive option. Oh as long as you're not in a hurry. I mean it's a lot faster. I was gonna
2: gonna say to me that's like, okay, we have to drop off Joe. Joe, get out of the car. Okay, we got Vinny, Vinny, come on.
1: It's the difference between like twenty eight dollars and twelve dollars. It's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now you got this beautiful story here, Karen. This is just gonna be lots of fun, isn't it? Hilarious things everyone believed as kids. I thought this was
2: hysterical. I had to put this in here.
1: Yes, let's face it, kids are total suckers. Uh, I, I do this to my, my 11-year-old all the time. I make up stuff. Like uh, when, when the babies, had, the skin was kind of rough when they were a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we said, yeah, the, he's part reptile. <laughs> uh, wait, wait. Oh, God, Seth, <laughs> you are sick. Yeah, I, this, I don't plan these things. Just, like, they, they just they pop tri- out of my <laughs> mouth. They, they, the kids trigger you, and then you just have to go f- have fun with it. Um That may seem mean that kids are total suckers, but we we speak from experience. When we were young, we believed a lot of crazy things. This is part of being a kid, and we try to make sense of the world. Our imaginations often got the better of us. And with the benefit of hindsight, you can't help but laugh at some of the most absurd things you actually believed as a youngster. Here are some of the most hilarious and completely untrue things ever believed by children. Uh, Called the origins of fake news. Yeah. Nice. If you cross your eyes long enough, they'll stay that way forever.
2: If you have not (laughs) said that to your kid, you're not a mother. I used to be like, what are you doing? Stop that. Your eyes will stay like that. Stop.
1: (laughs) And uh, same warning who's given for making a funny face, too.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. That's That's a good one. Uh, If you swallow watermelon seeds, an entire watermelon will grow inside you.
2: I believed that for years. (laughs) Years I believed that if you swallowed the seeds, I was going to have a watermelon in my stomach.
1: I'm just learning right now that it's not true. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, it says how can anything grow in the stomach with no sunshine and, no, and much corrosive digestive juices? So nobody yeah. thought of it that way. Yeah, uh, you know, quicks- is quicksand even real? Quicks- no, quicksand right? is, there- is it not? It's not real. It was I- made
2: up by Hollywood. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, quicksand that is not at all real. Everybody, really? Google that. I yeah. read that it was made up. It was made up by Hollywood.
1: Oh. And quicksand is everywhere, and if you have to be constantly vigilant for it. <laughs> we sincerely <laughs> thought that any time you left the house, there's a 99% cent- chance you'd encounter at least a little quicksand. It could be anywhere, park, school, pra- playgrounds, a backyard. And after stumbling into it, you'd either be sucked underground with dinosaur bones, or if you are lucky, you'd manage to pull yourself to freedom with a tree branch. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh <boy>. <laughs> <laughs> really, there's no such thing as quicksand? I don't think so. Wow. No. Oh, I think you're not sure? Up, it, mm. I
2: think, I'm pretty positive I read it was made up by
1: Hollywood. <laughs> Wait, I never heard this one. This is ridiculous. Stepping on a crack.
2: What? You didn't hear this? Stepping oh, my on a God.
1: Cr- I grew up with this. <laughs> Me, totally. too.
0: Yes.
2: You did not step on a true crack.
0: I, I would avoid the cracks like nobody's business. So basically, <laughs> like, your parents yeah.
1: were trying were, were in, uh, putting an OCD into your brain. Yes. So exactly. yeah. Stepping on a crack could literally break your mother's back.
0: Yep. That's ridiculous. Yep. I'd walk to school, like- and
2: there's was one spart- part of the sidewalk that was all crumbly, and I tiptoe.
0: Across the crumbly yeah, I mean, apart. I oh. grew up in Queens, and believe me, all the sidewalks are cracked. <laughs> you know, so you're like really like tiptoeing around. You know,
1: <laughs> now you're like laid on your feet. Now, <laughs> I use this one with my kids. If you're not careful when draining the bathtub, you get sucked down the drain. You do? Well, because it won't get out of the tub, and then I pull the drain myself. I'm like I right, better hurry up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: let's go. Let's go. Oh my God. Like this
1: one's definitely true. The moon follows you, doesn't it? Uh, no. No. Yeah. I never ki- heard that one. No, my kids say it too. Look, the moon's following us in the car. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cute. A, yeah. It is a cute one. Yeah, if you touch a toad, you'll get warts. I
2: did not know that was not true <laughs> until I did this story. I did not know that was not true. I thought the toads secreted something out of their <clears> glands <throat> to ward off people or animals going after them, and you would get warts. So I
0: thought it was because the toads have warts.
1: Oh,
2: so he said,
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. so you so would the locasana, you contract right? it.
1: Yeah. Huh? And I know there's certain ones that are poisonous that don't look a toad. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, uh, you know, I, I actually believe this one, too. Cracking your knuckles will give you arthritis. 100%. Yes.
2: My mother said that forever to that's everybody. That's not true? No. Wow.
1: Oh, I'm going to crack my knuckles. Right the show. <coughs> now you can do it more often. If you swallow gum, it'll stay in your body for seven years. No, that's yeah. McDonald's french fries. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> do You know, it's funny. I mean, I still eat them occasionally, but if you leave a french fry in your car, it never decomposes. It's like, wow. what, does it, what does it do in your body? Yeah, <laughs> you know? they
2: they did an experiment with that. They left French fries and something else in like an airtight chamber for like forever, and they went back like fifteen years later, and they were exactly the same.
1: Did they eat them? You well, know, I don't know. You they tried it. Mm. If you swallow gum, it'll stay in your body for seven years. That's just so silly.
2: what did you believe it as a kid? Yeah, I me did.
1: too. Yeah, yeah I, I
2: absolutely believe that that uh, big water <laughs> bubble gum was going to be in my stomach.
1: I definitely believe number ten. This one. <laughs> Alligators live in the sewers and climb up your pipes and into your toilet and will bite you right. On oh the Oh my pot. god! We used I to say that. S- s- all I think time it's too. only in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a movie though with like a. It was in New York. It's some, it some really bad B monster movie. It was like gators. I forgot what it was called, but there's like this monster a alligator gator. living in this in this sewer system. Uh, yeah, that's um. And he bit people in the butt. I think he just. Eight people. You ever see snakes on a plane? So. Yes. Oh. That is the
2: oh, stop. <laughs> but that
1: one scene where like this the gigantic snake eats the guy whole, like Ugh. yeah, it's crazy. But that actually, you know, you watch some of those shows on Discovery Channels. They have those mo- like anacondas. Yeah, it's crazy. Like they could eat like a, a.
2: Oh, they've opened their bellies, and there'd be like a whole pig.
1: Yeah. Or a
2: whole God. animal in them. Oof. Oh. I'm not,
1: I'm not going anywhere. where They have those. And Karen, that's all I have today for Headlines and Headaches.
2: Well, you did a wonderful job. Thank you, Seth, and stop torturing your kids about the drain. Let them stay in the tub. They want to be clean. And today's Mother Says is, wherever you are, be all there. It's easy. Seriously, people need to start doing that. Wherever you are, be all there. Be present is what be you're trying to say. Be present in the moment. <laughs> be all there. I mean, think about what's going on around you. It's so funny because wherever you go now, you see people on their phone. They do not even talking. I mean, they're just sitting at restaurants. They're sitting in coffee shops. Everywhere you are, you see people on your, their phones, and they're not even speaking to each other, and that's sad. It's the way the world's turning. Um,
1: Melissa gave me a book about that. Uh, the, uh, the author's name is Jedediah. That's her name. So I don't remember the name of the book, but that's if you shed a Die," you can't miss it. But it's about unplugging and like, you know,
0: I, I just posted a picture on my social media. I was on the New York on the ferry and there was a baby that looked like she was a year old in the stroller staring at her phone like I guess it was her mom's phone. You know, but the parents were, like, not engaging with her. And the baby was just, like, her eyes never came off the phone the whole time. And I took a picture of it. And I was like, am I the only one upset about this? That is so it's horrible. So um,
1: we only do that in restaurants. <laughs> that we, we're doing that to save everyone else.
2: Uh, Seth, I Seth, think Seth. on a
0: car trip it's allowed. You know, okay. they have to be watching a movie or
1: something. Well, I Mommy mean, made me feel bad about myself. Thank you. You know You're
2: what? Welcome. and When I t- when I when <laughs> <laughs> when we took our kids on a car trip, we used to be like, okay. I'd, I'd go, like... I see blue. What is it? Like, play games. Engage, Engage with games. Engage, exactly. It's sad. But anyway, be wherever you are, be present in the moment. And everyone, have a wonderful week. Be safe and enjoy everything. And it's the holiday season. Be kind. That is my new mantra. I said it last show. I'm saying it this show. I've watched people in stores just be horrific to other people. <laughs> and out on the street, push and shove. Be kind. Have a good week, everybody. I'll talk to you soon.